Welcome to the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapters Candid Conversation with the Candidates Podcast. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a 501c7 nonprofit organization. All candidates, Republicans, Democrats, or Independents running for the Texas 4th Congressional District were invited to participate in our podcast series. The sorority is nonpartisan and does not endorse candidates. Tonight's conversation is with Ms. Iro Imrier, candidate for Texas 4th Congressional District, and tonight's conversation will be led by Ms. Carla Collier, Social Action Committee member. Carla? NDSA is conducting this podcast to give voters in our community an informed choice of who they will vote for in their district and to encourage new voters to go vote on November 8th. Good evening, Eero. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. You're you're welcome. How was your experience shaping you for this role? How has your experience shaped you for this role? Thank you for asking. Well, just a quick um, background of who I am. I am Eero Mir. I was born and raised here in Dallas, Texas. I went to Prairie View A&M University and studied um, science there. I also attended John Marshall Law School where I studied law and became an educator. So for about nine years of my career, I was in inner city schools across the United States teaching students and getting them excited about opportunities that they could probably experience in the areas of STEM. So my experience as an educator is what drew me to want to run for office because as an educator, I was responsible for not only advocating for students, advocating for their families and our community partners to make sure that we were able to provide the best um, educational opportunities because education is the key to what our community future will be. Now, Going into Congress and wanting to represent us on the congressional level is analogous to the same sense that who we have in rep- who we, who we have representing us and who is there making the, the tough decisions that meet our best interests is the key to what the future of North Texas will look in the next five, ten years moving forward. Great. What are two things you believe the district desperately needs, and what would be your plan to secure them? So, two things that I think our district desperately needs at this time. One, we need a, a person that is willing to make the decisions and make policy that will directly impact our communities in a positive way. And especially in the areas of healthcare and infrastructure, along with education. The things that I am advocating for is one that we increase the access to quality and affordable health care. Here in North Texas, we have only one public hospital throughout the twelve counties that are in my district. Even though we have several private hospitals. We only have one public hospital, and we are experiencing hospital closures at an 
at an expedited rate than any other place in the United States. This is the issue because as we have our population that is going into retirement age, they usually need additional health care or access to health care to make sure that they can afford medications, see the doctors that they want to see, and have good quality doctors and nurses that are available to assist them in their needs. Not only do we have a, um, our aging population, we also have our, you know, our children. Here in North Texas, the pop, we are um, having increased birth rate, which is going to also need pediatric care and health care as they go through schools to make sure that they can be healthy. When we talk about our infrastructure, we have a great opportunity here right in North Texas to be able to have access to higher-paying jobs because there are companies that want to come here to produce microchips, different types of technology, build roads, revitalize and modernize our communities. So we need somebody who's going to be able to actually provide policies that will incentivize companies to come and also allow our local businesses to expand into these areas. Finally, when it comes to education, which is the tying point of it all, we have to have a world-class education that will give students, whether young and old, access to job opportunities. We want people that are trained right here in Texas or want to come to Texas to learn and train to become our next leaders and professionals. With with the um, infrastructure, healthcare, that gives us a lot of in- opportunities in areas of engineering, to innovation, and medicine and healthcare. Great. What sets you apart from your opponents, and why should the district elect you to represent them? So what sets me apart from my opponent, one is that I'm was born right here in Texas, born and raised, and I understand the needs of Texans across the across the district. I'm also in touch with the being able to advocate for our communities. Being an educator, I understand what it takes to be able to listen and be able to empathize with the needs of our constituents. I also am set apart because I have the educational background. Being a science teacher, you know, learning law and law school, I'm able to understand what is within legal realm, how we can be able to create policies that do not violate the Constitution or anybody's constitutional rights. And I also understand the science and the background of what is necessary, especially when we talk about innovation, climate control, healthcare, and medicine. So those are some of the things that sets me apart from my uh, from my opponent. And the last thing that I also will say that sets me apart from my opponent is that I'm willing to be honest and transparent, even if it is one if even if the message that we are portraying is not the easiest or is not what people want to hear. So I won't hide behind misinformation or. Uh, this representation of what's going on. I feel that for citizens to make the right decisions, they have to have accurate and reliable information. And unfortunately, my opponent has veered to the other side where he 
tends to misrepresent information, tends to, you know, try to approach and incite a particular population of people that is not representative of the entire district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so your opponent is, uh, is that Pat Fallon? Yes. Okay. Pat Fallon. Okay. So you mentioned that you are an educator or you previously was an educator. Since 2020, many people are leaving the profession of education. What do you think it will take to retain existing quality educators and recruit new educators? So when we talk about being able to recruit talent and develop it and keep it and, you know, reduce, I mean, maintain our retention in the area of education is a multifaceted uh, issue that we have to look at. The first thing, of course, is we have to increase the salaries. Many teachers, along with myself, we put in a lot of time and effort to be able to serve the communities that we teach. And a lot of times, especially depending on where you are in Texas, the salary is not able to compensate us to maintain the standard of living or the cost of the rising cost of inflation and also the standard cost of um, just our day-to-day needs, whether it's traveling, being able to buy supplies for our, our classrooms, our additional that is needed. So one thing we definitely have to do is that we have to increase the salaries because a lot of teachers that are leaving are leaving because it's, they just can't keep up with the daily cost and, you know, put the, as much time as they are putting into the classroom. Many teachers, especially ones that I've known that recently left the, the profession, have reported being able to find a another career that's paying them twice the amount that they were paying um, being paid as an educator. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we have to do is that we have to be able to find the next generation of teachers that will are willing to go through the educational process to get the certificates, and we have to make that more accessible. When I was when I joined the profession, I came through the alternative route. And with the alternative route, it required additional steps, and it was also very costly. So we have to make it affordable and more accessible for teachers to that are designed to take the alternative route to get their certification to be able to obtain those um, certificates. In the classroom, we have to look at how our schools are structured. Many teachers also deal with the additional stress of having crowded classrooms. I remember being a third-year teacher, and my largest class had 35 students. And I was a science teacher that had to do, you know, the curriculum and do lab. Wow. So it became very stressful. And you see that, especially in our suburban and urban school districts where classrooms are overfilled, but that's because we need more schools, we need to hire more teachers, and we just need to be able to reduce the classroom sizes so students can be able Mm -hmm. to you know, learn in an environment that has minimal distraction and teachers are able to meet those individual needs. So if you look across the board, schools that are successful 
already have these things. They have the smaller classroom sizes. They always have teachers that um, the teacher positions are filled, and they are able to retain teachers. And that's what we need to see, especially in our public schools, to make sure that teachers have the support from the school district. Parents are able to be to feel like they are welcome to participate and have you know some type of input in what's going on in the classroom. And students feel like they're in a place that they like. And that will go to the final thing that I would say when it comes to retaining teachers is that for some of our schools, especially our older schools, we have to modernize them. Mm-hmm. We need schools that don't look like prisons. Mm-hmm. We need schools that are um, places where people want to come and learn and be there for you know a majority of their time because we spend about 40 hours in the classroom every week. Wow. Good. What else would you like the constituents of District 4 to know about you? So one thing I want the constituents of District 4 to know is that I'm a very passionate person. And when I see a problem, I do what I, I put my all into being to solve it and do my part to be a solution to the problem. Right now, the problem is, is that we do not have adequate representation that is fighting for the best interest of our district. And I want people to know that if they do um, research my background, look at my platform, that they'll see that I'm the most qualified person to represent this district. And that's on day one. I understand the legislative process. I understand how I can be able to introduce bills that actually will make it out of committee and that people will want to co-sponsor to get past that will not only just help Texas, but will help the country overall. And I'm a good old Texas gal, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Ms. Omier, for this insightful conversation. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a 501c7 nonprofit organization. All candidates, Republicans, Democrats, or independents running for the Texas 4th Congressional District were invited to participate in our podcast series. Please continue to follow the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter social media pages for the next broadcast of the Candid Conversations with the Candidates. This is Deborah Curry, Social Action Chair of the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and good night.